Welcome to the National Capital Bible Church, our midweek Bible class. And we are pleased to be back in Job. Uh, Last week, uh, the last two weeks, I believe, we were uh, in our Christmas, Christmas special. Tonight, we're back in Job, but we will start in a passage in Psalms, as most of you realize, I enjoy the Psalms. They are a, a source of comfort. And I think for many people tonight, uh, they are in need of comfort. And so we'll start in Psalm 33. Psalm 33 is where we'll begin. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding shall garrison your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You'll notice that when we're anxious, we should take our anxieties to the Lord. And we do that through thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for Whatever situation uh, exists in which we find ourselves. So tonight, as we begin our Bible class, let's take a few seconds for spiritual preparation, for confession of sins, and also setting aside the pressures, the events, the episodes of the day, and simply remember that in whatever situation we find ourselves, God has a solution. God has a blessing. And tonight, we will see Job as he has received uh, two dialogues from the Father. And we'll see how he responds to those dialogues. But prior to that, let's go ahead. Uh, spiritual preparation, closing our eyes, bowing our heads, and then I'll open us in prayer. Dearly Father, uh, we are thankful that you are the God of the universe. And that doesn't mean that you are so busy trying to manage the universe, the distant stars, the distant galaxies, that you are not available to us, that you are not with us every day, that you don't indwell us with the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And we're thankful, Father, that you love us. You love every part of your creation, every electron, we would say. And therefore, we know that you love us, you provide for us, you protect us, you comfort us. Help us tonight as we study the Word of God, that we will understand that Yes, adversity, difficulties, trials uh, are involved in our lives. But whether we are in a moment of joy or in a moment of difficulty, that we simply trust in you. Our inner happiness should not change. 
Help us tonight to understand the situation in which Job finds himself and your address to him as you brought him back to his understanding of who you are, what you have done, and what you will do. And also, Father, we pray for your blessing upon our reading in Psalm 33. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Psalm 33, another wonderful passage. We've studied Psalm 33. As a matter of fact, we've read Psalm 33 as a praise to worship, call to worship. And it is a psalm of praise, but it also provides for us the understanding of who God is and how he provides for us in times of trouble. Beginning in verse 1, chapter 33 of Psalm, of the Psalms. This is a singular Psalm 33. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Uh, this doesn't say that we should rejoice when uh, times are wonderful. We are simply told to rejoice in the Lord, those who are righteous. Now, if the righteous, we understand, are those who are faithful to God, those who, uh, who worship him, have a relationship with him. So rejoice in the Lord, O oh, you righteous. If you would prefer to be understood as righteous, then here we are. For praise from the upright is beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, we may not always understand or realize that when we are praising God, that it is viewed as something that is beautiful. We see beautiful parts of the universe. Well, we're told here by God the Holy Spirit that our praise, praise to God, is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Verse 2, make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Uh, this is the joy, the inner happiness, um, the inner basis for external expression, this joy. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Very often in the text of Scripture, uh, particularly the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament, we are to make a joyful noise to the Lord. And here, shouting, raising our voices in praise, in joy. Um, I don't know how many people today were raising their voices in joy. Uh, there were some, but we should be uh, praising God, raising our voices. It's a time uh, uh, for, for joy and all times are. Verse 4, For the word of the Lord is right, it's proper, it's correct, and all his work is done in truth, is done in faithfulness, is another word we could use here. Verse 5, He loves the righteous and justice. The earth is full of goodness. The word for goodness here is chesed, and it's covenant faithfulness. We have a covenant. We are bound 
to our Savior and to our God. And the earth is full of his faithfulness, faithfulness of the Lord. Six, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. What we see in verse six is similar to what Job was uh, was reminded. This is the God of the universe. He has made everything. He has created uh, what we see uh, what is functioning in and around us. He not only created it, but he controls it. He is the one who is aware of everything that's going to happen and why it happens. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the hosts of them by the breadth of his mouth. This is probably a reference. The host here with a reference to all of the stars, all the planet, all the um, items that we see in the sky. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. Uh, this is part of creation. Uh, verse 6 was part of creation, a reference to creation. And again, he gathers the waters so that we have the land. He lays up the deep. And again, this is parallelism. So the waters of the sea, the deep are the waters of the sea. He gathers them up in storehouses. Um, This is wonderful figurative language. We can see someone gathering a harvest and putting it in a, a storehouse somewhere. And the Lord simply gathers water and places it in the oceans, in the seas, in the rivers. This is the Lord at work. Verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Uh, The word fear here does mean fear. Um, If someone is this superior to us and is so great, then we realize that uh, he has the ability to snuff us in an instant, even quicker than an instant. But, of course, God loves his creation. But the creature should have more than just awe. We should have such a profound respect for God that it really, uh, as the text tells us, it's really fear. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was. He commanded, and it stood fast. Verse 10. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. Today there are low, there are many, uh, who are planning. They are plotting. Uh, they are, uh, they have conspiracy against those things which God blesses which God requires of us. And he says, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the people of no effect. So the Lord allows certain things to occur, but he is always in control of them. The counsel of the Lord stands fast uh, or stands forever. Uh, This is the contrast of the counsel of the nations, the the plans of the people, 
in contrast to the counsel of the Lord, his plans, his will, his providence, the plans of his heart to all generations. Uh, never in history, never at a time, is God unable to bring his will about. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. 13. The Lord looks from heaven. And of course, this is uh, a description that we as human beings can understand. Uh, the Lord looks from heaven. This means that he's aware of what ha- of what's happening. And that's what's expressed in the second colon here. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. He's aware of what they're doing. God is involved with his creation. I've said this many times. So he's aware of the sons of men. Every now and then we think that someone might be stealing moments, uh, time, uh, and God is unaware. No, that's not true. God is aware of everything that's happening, whether it's righteous or whether it's wicked. And uh, God is not shocked. We might be shocked by something, that something occurs. God is not. God knew of uh, the events of today, uh, of last year, of the coming year, and many years. He's been aware of this. Uh, He could have changed events, but he's allowing these events to occur. So verse 13 and 14 go together. Verse 13 again, the Lord looks from heaven. He sees, he's aware of all the sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks, he observes on all the inhabitants of the earth. We need not worry that God somehow has missed something or something has eluded him, that it's slipped behind him. No, God's aware. He was aware in in eternity past. He fashions their hearts, their souls individually. He considers all their works. He evaluates. He considers he evaluates. So what we have here is a reminder for us that God is never unaware. He is with us. He is um, fully competent to handle anything that's occurring. Verse 16. No king is delivered by the multitude of an army. We might say, well, we need to gather. We need to get an army together. We need to deliver someone. Well, no king is delivered. By a multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. A strong horse. A fast horse. You know, every now and then we'll, we'll hear that on um, maybe one of the, the Western uh, the movies. Uh, you got a fast horse. Or I need a fast horse. Well, that fast horse might seem, humanly speaking, to be the deliverer. But God is the deliverer. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. The eye of the Lord, again, this is another way of humanly expressing God's character. The eye of the Lord, it means his 
awareness. But I think it goes further. I think it means his protection. And it also means his grace, his, his bestowing of favor upon us. Behold, understand this. Uh, in English, uh, at least we used to say, note bene, you know, take particular notice of this. Behold, the protection, the favor, the grace of God is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy, his chesed, his loving kindness. And the word for hope here, hope is uh, a fine translation, but another translation is our expectation. Uh, this is another word for waiting. We wait expectantly on the Lord. Uh, and how can we wait expectantly on the Lord? Because we know the Lord is involved in our lives. He is caring for us. He's providing for us. Whether we endure, are enduring illness, uh, treatment, whatever it is that's occurring in our lives, God is with us. His eye is upon us and on those who wait on his mercy, his loving kindness, those who expect his mercy, his mercy, his loving kindness. 19, to deliver their souls from death. Uh, we could say from danger. Uh, are we in danger? Might be. Can God deliver us from danger? I think so. Uh, if he can deliver us from death, he can certainly deliver us from danger. And to keep them, in other words, those who are righteous, and to keep them alive in famine. Uh, we may not be involved uh, or be experiencing famine now, but the famine here was a hardship. And so we could say, and to keep them, keep, to guard is another word here that uh, would work very well. To guard them, to keep them uh, alive in hardship, in depravity, in difficult times. Famine was, uh, in the ancient world, was uh, probably one of the worst uh, conditions that they could face because they simply depended upon what they grew uh, their crops. And so a famine was devastating. Verse 20, our soul waits for the Lord. Uh, this is a different word. It means our soul longs for the Lord. We wait for the Lord. We long for the Lord. He is our help. This is the word Eitzer. Uh, it's the same word that's used uh, throughout the, the Bible, but it's uh, it's used of two people, essentially one, the woman in the garden. She was designed to be the helper. And some people think that that is a a subservient position, but that's not how God sees it. Why? Because throughout the rest of the Bible, he says he is our Eitzer. He is our helper. He is our protector. So he is our Eitzer, he is our helper, he is our help and our shield, our protector. Verse 21, for our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. 
His name, His character, His person. Verse 22, let your mercy, here's our word again, chesed, our covenant faithfulness, our loyal love, let your loyal love, O Lord, be upon us. Just as we hope in you or we wait for you, we have an anticipation. We may be facing hardship, a famine. We may be facing adversity. We may be facing illness. We simply trust in God. Our souls, I think on Sunday I was using the term serenity. We should have serenity in our souls, whether it's challenging or whether it is a time of joy, of happiness. We've just finished a time generally thought to be a time of of joy, and that is the Christmas season. Uh, we're starting a new a new year. There are many who are saying, "Well, I hope this year is going to be a lot better than last year." It doesn't matter. If it's worse, it doesn't matter. God is here. God has a plan. God will provide for us. God will provide for this nation. Uh, Maybe it's good for us to go through some difficult testing. Um, What is our faith? How strong is our faith? Are we still able to uh, serve the Lord? Have our faith tested periodically is uh, spiritually healthy. And so here we have Psalm 33. Let your mercy, let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us. It is. When we say let it, it is here, just as we wait for you. All right. Uh, A great passage. Uh, Let's return to Job. Job And we're beginning Job 42. Job 42. Now, you talk about somebody who was going through adversity. And uh, I'm completely uh, on board with Job. I'm sure if I was enduring what was happening to him, I'd have difficulties as well. But the Lord says, um, uh, Job, who am I? Have you forgotten who I am? Uh, Job was enduring a lot of adversity, a lot of pain, a lot of anxiety. And the Lord simply says, trust me. All right. Let's, first of all, before we move to chapter 42, I was informed at the conclusion of our last lesson in Job 41 that I skipped verse 31. Well, I certainly don't want to skip any verses. But this, of course, is a description of Leviathan. And it says that Leviathan makes the deep boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a pot of ointment. Um Verse 31 here is more than likely using a figure of speech. So this is this animal, this Leviathan, probably uh, what we would describe as a dinosaur who was alive at that time. 
and God is describing him as a tremendous, uh, tremendously strong uh, and dangerous creature. It says he makes the deep, the sea, boil like a pot. Now, does that make, does that mean that the water around him is at uh, 212 degrees? I don't think so. I think that we have a figure of speech. And he's saying that when Leviathan moves through the water, the water around him appears to be boiling. Uh, you know, very often a ship, uh, a submarine, when a submarine uh, surfaces, uh, there's water that appears to be boiling. It's turbulent around it, or when it's uh, submerging, the same is true. And I believe that we have something that is huge in the water. So it appears to be boiling. Also, it says he makes the sea like a pot of ointment. In those days, and maybe yet today, when someone who is, when someone is creating a a drug or an ointment, uh, we would call it apothecary. When they make uh, their wear, their wares, they often boil ingredients in a pot. And so that, I think, is the figure that's being used here. This is the appearance of Leviathan in the water. Um, that would, what what the Lord is trying to say is that he was truly fearsome. Uh, God had created him. Uh, he had created a very fearsome creature. And uh, God is simply explaining this to Job. So uh, let's vault forward from 31 down to verse 1 of 42. Verse 42. Let me read these six uh, verses. Chapter 42, verses 1 through 6. Now, before we begin that, before I read that, let me remind us where we are in Job. We have seen God's two speeches and Job, Job's reply. We're, we're actually studying Job's second reply tonight. We have God's first speech, Job 38, 1 through 42, 40, Verse 2, Job's first reply to God was only three verses. God's first reply to, uh, Job's first reply to God, uh, chapter 40, verses 3 through 5. Then we saw God's second speech. And what we noticed, what we observed, is that God's first speech or his first monologue to Job, took Job a certain distance, uh, corrected him, helped him to understand the situation, but he was not quite where God wanted him to be. And so God's second speech begins in verse 6 of chapter 40 and continues to 41.34. I'm thrilled, truly, to see how lengthy God was with Job. He didn't simply give him a verse or two, 
But he, um, I guess we could almost use the term hammered, he hammered away at him with many examples so that Job understood clearly when the Lord was finished what he was expressing. God's second speech, chapter 40, 6 through 41, 34. So Job's second reply to God is 42, 1 through 6. I can't remember exactly where I was with uh, the, before I was, I was halted, but let me uh, read uh, beginning, beginning in verse 1. Job 42, verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You ask, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, meaning a reference to God, I, God, will question you, and you shall answer me. Verse 5, I have heard of you by the hearing of ear, of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Let's begin here. We now read uh, Job's response to God's, we could say, four-chapter question and answer grilling. Um, Job says, or the text brings us into the text, that Job answers the Lord and said. So this is our first verse. Uh, We'll see him speaking in verses 2 through 6. But what we're going to observe is that Job now understands. He understands why God gave him the science quiz. And that's essentially what he had. He would ask him, have you heard of this? 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 Do you understand this? That's a science quiz. So he gave him that science quiz so that Job would comprehend the creator. He is the creator. There's a distinction between the creator and the creature. Uh, and when the creature decides he should question the creator, there needs to be an adjustment. The creator is far superior to the creature. But more often than not, the creature questions or challenges the creator's decisions or his actions. One factor we learn as we mature is that the more sophisticated the creature, that which has been created, the more superior the creator must be. Uh, we could compare uh, an amoeba, an, abe- uh, an amoeba. Uh, an amoeba is a rather simple cell, one cell creature, we could say, but it has many unbelievable unbelievable features uh, that allow it to exist. But if we go from the amoeba 
to the human being, we have vaulted uh, a great distance, a great level. But God created both. And for those of us who might be familiar with one one cell organisms or organs, uh, one cell creatures, maybe that's what we would call them, we have to realize that our bodies are uh, much more complicated. As a matter of fact, we may think we understand all just about there is to be known about the amoeba, but we've barely scratched the surface on the human body as we continue to learn what's happening within our cells. It's very complicated. Our DNA, the genomes, it's just incredible. The universe is extremely sophisticated, which means that God, the creator of the universe, must be beyond, well beyond our comprehension. His capabilities are well beyond our grasp. The best we as creatures can do is realize that God is superior and his superiority is exceedingly far beyond our ability to even understand it. You know, sometimes we might say, well, I understand that, but I'm not sure how it really works. Well, God is beyond that. Job knows God is sovereign and superior, but when the creature finds himself in stressful or traumatic situations, he wants and often demands explanations and solutions. Those situations are tests that the creature must learn to pass and continue to pass. It's not as if we pass them once and then, ah, solution, uh, and then everything is peachy. No, we must learn to pass and continue to place his trust, meaning the creature, and our confidence in the creator. Now, how do we apply this? We face a stressful situation today, most of us. Most of us do. The test is how do we face it? Do we face it with fear? Do we face it with anxiety? Being resentful? Do we face it with confusion, frustration, disgust? Questioning, being judgmental, blaming others? Or do we place the situation in God's hands and continue with the same inner happiness, the same inner joy, the serenity that we would otherwise have if the situation was completely different? God is in control, and we must submit to his control. This is what God is allowing or directing. Our inner happiness should not be affected. Verse 2, I, and this is Job now speaking, I know that you, God, can do everything and that no purpose, we could say here no plan or no will of yours can be withheld can be stopped, can be cut off, as the word is actually cut off, uh, or thwarted from you. So God is in a position to allow or support, enhance, 
any action. Um, Let me summarize this with a paragraph. In Job's first response, which we read in chapter 40, verses 3 through 5, he admitted his finiteness in the face of God's display of numerous wonders of nature, uh, particularly in the heavens, we would say, and also on the earth. But he did not admit to God's sovereignty uh, or to his own sin of pride. So, yes, I recognize who you are, God. But he was still stubborn in his response to what was happening around him. Job now admits, confesses those two things in his second reply. Being overwhelmed by the strength and fierceness of the behemoth and Leviathan, Job senses his own inadequacy to conquer and control the world around him. Uh, He had no hope to confront uh, these two, probably, dinosaurs, what I believe were dinosaurs, which are extinct now for the most believe they are. Uh, Now he realizes God can easily control them, but Job cannot. We also see, therefore, a new, he sees a new, a greatness of God's power and his sovereignty. Job's words, I know that you can do all things, points to the folly of his questioning of God's ability to govern the universe. So Job's doubting, uh, doubting of God's plan is now seen as certainly wrong. God's will, his purpose or plan cannot be thwarted, prevented or failed or uh, foiled before him. So as we move to verse 3, Job recalls God's question from uh, chapter 38, verse 2. It's only a page or two away. 38, verse 2. Because we're going, I'm going to leaf back there and read this to you. Uh, the Lord says, and the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel? And we said, uh, darkens, another word might be obscures. Who obscures the counsel, uh, the plans, the purpose of God by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself, Job, like a man. Get ready for uh, the blows, figuratively, coming to him. I will question you, Job, God says, and you shall answer me. Well, what we're going to see is that Job cannot answer. Uh, God says, stand by, Job. Uh, be prepared to... Uh, begin to understand how finite you truly are, how limited you truly are. So as we move to uh, verse 3, Job recalls God's questioning of him. Here Job repeats God's question, inquiring about who, meaning Job, referring to Job himself. Job obscures God's plan or design for the universe by asking questions without knowledge. Uh, 
Uh, how often do we see that? Uh, children very often question their parents, parents or adults. They don't understand why something's happening the way it is, uh, why the parents are doing something in a certain way. Why? Because they don't have the knowledge. Uh, for us, as parents, uh, lovingly, we answer those questions. And here, God is answering questions for Job by asking him questions. Uh, can you answer these, uh, Job? Uh, you who has does not have the knowledge is what he's saying. God can ask the question of all of us. We ask questions of God without having the knowledge to ask them. Um, we wonder why something's happening in our lives, why something is happening in history. God knows, and there's a reason why God is allowing it. We are so far below God's level of intelligence that we do not even know the questions to ask. Every now and then someone will say that. Uh, I'm so confused here. I'm not sure what questions to ask, let alone the answer to those questions. And that's where Job finds himself. Again, he's speaking. Verse 3, you, God, asked, and that's implied here in verse 3. God speaking, who is this who hides, who conceals or disregards counsel without knowledge? Therefore, that was the question that God asked. Now, Job continues with his thoughts. Therefore, I, Job, have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Notice the too wonderful, things too wonderful. Uh, we might say something's difficult, uh, but it's not really all that important to us. Uh, Job says, uh, what I don't know about you, God, is uh, too wonderful. It's too wonderful for me to even understand. Job says that he spoke out of turn. He says that he spoke too quickly. When Job says that things are too wonderful for me, he is saying that he should simply trust God, that he should not try to analyze God or his plans, God's purposes, God's actions. Things are too wonderful for me. This is where we find ourselves in difficult situations. Again, whether it's uh, illnesses, sicknesses, treatments, we just have to realize that God's design for us, his provision for us is wonderful. And even though we are enduring maybe a difficult situation, the inner happiness that we should have, the serenity should carry us, carry us right through it. And when it's over, we praise God for our serenity in the midst of it, in the midst of the storm. So this should be our response each day as we fellowship with God. We should be learning about God and our relationship with him every day. Our reaction to this learning should be amazement. It should be praiseworthy and even too wonderful and realize that we certainly do not, do not deserve his gracious provision for us. That's why we call it the unmerited favor. 
that God has for us. That is where we find ourselves today. Don't question God's plan and purpose. Praise him for his loving care of us each and every day and in every situation. Let's try it under pressure until God decides otherwise. Maybe pressure, but we just apply God's promises. Now, when I say fellowship, it can simply be acknowledging him and what is happening throughout the day. We should be able to talk to God audibly or silently as if he were walking with us like a friend. Oh, and by the way, he is with us. Therefore, it should be natural. It should be routine. It should be spontaneous, reflexive, and instinctive. And I think we'll find ourselves at peace with whatever is happening around us. In verse 4, Job makes a request of God. Job says, listen, please, and let me speak. And then he is going to quote God again. You, God, said, I, God, will question you, Job, and you shall answer me. You shall answer me. This is God speaking. Let's link these two verses together. Verse 5, I, Job, have heard of you. This is a little bit of a difficult translation from the Hebrew. So uh, he's not really saying, and we'll see that what he's using here again, I think, is a, a figure, two figures of speech. But I, Job, have heard of you. He doesn't mean that, um, you know, somewhere in the distance past, um, I think I remember someone speaking of you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that I, I know of you, God. So I know of you by the hearing of the ear. But now my, and he's speaking about himself, Job's eye sees you, God. A quick summary here. Job admits that uh, he has not only, uh, that he has, he admits that, yes, he's heard of what God has done. And Job, the complainer, was not an eyewitness of all of the acts of creation. As a matter of fact, probably almost none. But he could see the results of this. It was a fact that God called to his attention near the beginning of his first speech. What do you really know, Job, is the question. Nor could Job even view firsthand many aspects of the nature of creation, So God was pointing to him uh, many things that Job had never seen, didn't understand. His perspective of God's total workings was therefore limited and secondhand. And we find ourselves in that same situation. Uh, We don't understand um, much of how nature functions. God created it. It functions perfectly. Job says that uh, he understands, um, that Job was addressed directly by God, and this experience exceeded his previous knowledge. Uh, now he says, he sees, now my eye, eyes have seen you. It's compared to the hearing portion in the first colon there. Um, I think that Job is simply saying, using two idioms, that now he, Job, has heard God's presentation And now he has a clearer understanding of who God is and comprehends his words. 
the the two idioms, the hearing and the seeing, is an advancement of knowledge. It's not that I heard it and now I see it. I think he's saying, I'm learning. Uh, this is a, an advancement of knowledge, not literally hearing and seeing. And so that's how Job describes this. Verse 6, Therefore I abhor, uh, and this word, ma'as, in the Hebrew, is more often used meaning to reject or to despise. But abhor, in the context here, probably works. Therefore, I abhor, and we don't have an, an uh, object here, so we're not certain if he's referring to himself or what he said, but we'll see that it really doesn't matter. Therefore, I abhor, and our editors have inserted myself, uh, although that word is not there. Therefore, I abhor myself and rep- repent. Another word here would be to regret in dust and or dirt and ashes. Uh, again, abhor might not might be a bit strong for the uses that it's found in the text of Scripture, but I think in the context, Job has come to the point where uh, he truly abhors what he has said. So having gained insight into God's ways and character, his creative power and genius, his sovereign control, and his provincial, uh, providential care and love, Job confesses his own unworthiness. That's where he's arrived, saying that I abhor the situation in which I find myself. I despise myself means that he regrets his former accusations of God spoken in pride uh, because that's what it would be if we're challenging God. When we challenge God, that's arrogance. That's pride. God had already rebuked Job for indicting, faulting, and discrediting him, God, uh, because God has not acted on his behalf. Job then repents. Uh, the word repent is used throughout uh, the Old Testament and even the New Testament. And when that occurs, very often we also see sackcloth and ashes. And that's what we would probably expect here. He says that he repents in dust, in dirt, in ashes. We don't have the sackcloth here. But that would go along with the expression The Hebrew, and even though Job is not considered a Hebrew yet, but one of uh, people's, one of uh, God's faithful, when they realize uh, internally that they have failed, or it could be something that is an expression of mourning, uh, they would express it externally with ashes and dust and sackcloth. Throwing dust in the air so that it came down on one's head and sitting in or near ashes or with ashes on one's body were signs of humbled condition. Having grieved over his losses, Job now grieved, pained over his actions, his remarks. So Job says that he abhors or despises or regrets what he had said. Uh, 
there are again some who would say that he abhors himself, despises himself. Um, either one is appropriate. I think it's more along the lines of what he's said. And then we could also say what he has, uh, the sense that he has internally. Uh, either is appropriate because Job truly despises himself for what he has done. But the comments he has made in challenging God is what he expressly regrets. Uh, the phrase, in dust and, uh, in dust and ashes, was a way to demonstrate overtly internal feelings or thoughts. And we read in many passages, Old Testament and New Testament, the act of wearing sackcloth and placing dirt and ash on the head of the person, mourning or expressing sorrow or repentance. And this is where Job finds himself. And so as we finish uh, Job's comments here, we're going to move uh, on into the epilogue, which is chapter 42, 7 through 17. Uh, but next week, uh, what I'd like to do is take the time to speak of humility, uh, provide some principles on humility as uh, we find it in Scripture. I think that one of the more difficult uh, problems, sins that we have that comes from our uh, sin nature is arrogance. Uh, when we question God's plan, when we question what's happening to us, that's arrogance. Um, we should simply, as uh, I quoted in Philippians 4, 6, we should simply be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall garrison our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We need to apply that today. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful, truly thankful for your provision. And we know that we periodically face difficult situations and it bumps us off our spiritual track. And we need to scramble back and remember that you are there. You are with us. You are Emmanuel. You are God with us. And being with us, we can have inner happiness, inner joy, inner serenity. Help us, Father, to learn more about you from your word. Help us to memorize scripture that we can use during times of anxiety, times of difficulty, and continue to remember that our focus must be on you, not on our problems, not on ourselves. Help us, fathers, we uh, now launch into a new year. Help us, Father, to honor you uh, as our God with your Son, who is our Savior, and God the Holy Spirit, who is our helper. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.